Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Grow in Knowledge podcast. I am Misty Umholtz, and my goal is 2 Peter 3.18, to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ, because whatever we apply ourselves to in life is what we will become better and stronger in. This is true for anything in life, and it certainly applies to the Bible, our faith, and spiritual matters. May you be blessed and challenged as you listen. Hello everyone. Today we get to talk about the armor of God. In the first semester, we learned all about who God is to us. And then this semester, we have been learning about all that God is not just to us, but also in us so he can flow out through us. But this message is about who God is all around us. If you've ever listened to me teach, you might think, why does this lady talk so much about our enemy? Well, according to the Bible, God never says we are on vacation here in life on this earth. He refers to us as soldiers on a battlefield fighting in a spiritual war against an enemy that can harm us. Since God's people were fighting physical enemies in wars in the Old Testament, let me read to you several references about this in the New Testament that refers to this in our lives today. 1 Peter 5, 8, and 9. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5 For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. 1 Timothy six twelve, Fight the good fight of faith. 2 Thessalonians 3.3 3. But the Lord is faithful, who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. Jesus said in Luke 10.18 and 19, Yes, he told them, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy, and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. He also said in Matthew 16.18, on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Haiti will not prevail against it. Romans 8.31 What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And in verse 37, Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We also read several references to our armor. Romans 13.12 the night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining armor of right living. First Thessalonians 5.8 But let us who live in the light be clear-headed, protected by the armor of faith and love, and wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation. Second Corinthians 6.7 By the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left. 
Jesus wore it also in Isaiah fifty nine seventeen. He put on righteousness as his body armor and placed the helmet of salvation on his head. He clothed himself with a robe of vengeance and wrapped himself in a cloak of divine passion. He provides us this um, armor in Psalms 91, 4. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. And then our text for this lesson today is from Ephesians 6, 11 through 17. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Wiles in Greek means the methods and trickery of the devil. Verse 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. The word withstand in Greek means to stand against, that is oppose and resist. Verse 14, stand therefore having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, take the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. I find it interesting that it says three times in seven verses that we're supposed to stand in our armor. It never even tells us to walk. So what does this word stand in Greek mean? It means to abide, continue, covenant, establish, hold up, set up, stand by, stand forth, stand still, stand up. All of these words require that we are not to be sitting down or laying down against the enemy, nor are we to just quickly put this armor on after he starts attacking us. That is too late. We are to abide or live in a stance that is established and actively opposing and resisting him. Let's find out how we are supposed to do this. First, we are told to gird our waist with the truth. Gird means to tighten about one's waist. So we usually call this a belt. But a belt was not worn as a fashion statement back then. It was important because not only was it tightening and holding the outfit together, but most importantly, it was carrying the weapon. The sword was attached to the belt, amongst other things. You can think of a police officer's belt today that they wear. It is essential to their job and any opposition that they face. What exactly is the truth that we are to be girded with? John fourteen six. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. John seventeen seventeen. he said, make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Psalms 119.160, the entirety of your word is truth. Remember, Jesus is the word made flesh. So the truth is the thing that holds us together. If Jesus is not true and his word is not true, 
then we have nothing as our firm foundation to stand upon. And people today do not like the truth. Even Christians like to pick and choose what they want to follow in the Bible. And yes, the truth is narrow. It is tight, but it is right. I stole that from my friend Byron Howe. 1 Timothy 3.15 This is the church of the living God, which is the pillar and foundation of the truth. And who is the truth? I'm sorry, who is the church? We are. And who lives in us? Jesus. 2 John 1.2 The truth lives in us and will be with us forever. The truth today seems like it might be up for debate. But the truth is not relative or subjective. It is absolute. Just like the laws of nature and gravity and math. 2 plus 2 equals 4, not 5. That is an absolute truth. We have to be firmly planted in the absolute truth of Jesus and his word to keep us standing strong and established, not wavering or wilting. Ephesians 4.14, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Verse 21, since you have heard the truth about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him. 2 Timothy 4, 3 and 4. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. 2 Peter 2.2 Many will follow their evil teaching and shameful immorality. And because of these teachers, the way of truth will be slandered. Second Peter 3 3. Most importantly, I want to remind you that in the last days scoffers will come, mocking the truth and following their own desires. Second Peter 1 12. Therefore I will always remind you about these things, even though you already know them and are standing firm in the truth you have been taught. We better make sure we are being taught the truth about Jesus and his word in order to stand firm and also that we are teaching our children the truth for them to be able to stand firm as well. Second Timothy 2.19, but God's truth stands firm like a foundation stone with this inscription, the Lord knows those who are his and all who belong to the Lord must turn away from evil. 2 Timothy 1.14, through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us, carefully guard the precious truth that has been entrusted to you. All of those verses just said that we are to be tightly girded and held together by the truth, who is Jesus and the word. Our second piece of armor says to put on the breastplate of righteousness. What does a breastplate protect? Our hearts. Righteousness is a safeguard over our hearts. And who is the one who has now made us righteous? Isaiah fifty four seventeen. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. 
and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. A prophecy about Jesus in Jeremiah 23, 6 says, and this will be his name. The Lord is our righteousness. This is described for us in 2 Corinthians 5, 21. God made Jesus who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. There's something interesting we find in the Old Testament about the breastplate. It says in Exodus 28, 29, and 30, So Aaron shall bear the names of the sons of Israel on the breastplate of judgment over his heart when he goes into the holy place as a memorial before the Lord continually. And you shall put in the breastplate of judgment and they shall be over Aaron's heart when he goes in before the Lord. So Aaron shall bear the judgment of the children of Israel over his heart before the Lord continually. But then we read a prophecy about Jesus in Isaiah fifty nine seventeen that says, He put on righteousness as a breastplate. Jesus was the ultimate exchange for us exchanging our judgment for our righteousness. This is the difference between the old covenant and the new. Our hearts no longer get judgment from the law. We get righteousness by faith because of what Jesus did for us. And this allows us to enter the holy of holy, the presence of God for ourselves. We no longer need a priest to do it for us like Aaron did in the old covenant. Romans 10, 4, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Romans 5, 17, for the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. 1 Thessalonians 5, 8, But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love. Why does this say breastplate of faith and love? Our faith is in God's love that provided for our righteousness through Jesus Christ. Romans 3.22, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. 2 Corinthians 6.7, we faithfully preach the truth. God's power is working in us. We use the weapons of righteousness in the right hand for attack and the left hand for defense. Interesting that the weapon of righteousness is for attacking the enemy. We see this prophecy about Jesus again in Revelations 19.11. Now I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse and he who sat on him was called faithful and true and in righteousness he judges and makes war. Good news for us. When we are covered by the righteousness of Jesus, we get no judgment, not now, nor at the end of time. We only get grace. Jesus is our breastplate of righteousness that covers our hearts by faith because of his great love for us. 
The third piece of armor is for our feet. They are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Shod is referring to sandals binded under our feet. That's why we call them shoes. That word preparation literally means prepared. Are we prepared in the gospel of peace to stand on it? Let's see what or who is the gospel of peace and what the Bible says this does for us, particularly for our feet. Judges 6.24 And Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and named it Yahweh Shalom, which means the Lord is peace. Now, I know I've read this word shalom to you many times, but it is so amazing and all-encompassing. I just can't get over it. So let me read it to you again. The meaning of the Hebrew word peace is shalom. It means safe, well, happy, friendly, welfare, health, prosperity, familiar, fair, favor, friend, greet, good health, perfect, such as be at peace, peaceable, peaceably, prosper, prosperity, prosperous, rest, safely, salute, all is well, be well, whole. This means that God does not just have peace. He is peace. And how did he give us his peace? One of the prophecies about Jesus tells us in Isaiah 52, 7, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messenger who brings good news, the good news of peace and salvation, the news that the God of Israel reigns. And in Isaiah 9, 6, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. There's another prophecy in Micah 5, 5, and he will be the source of peace. Ephesians 2, 14, for Christ himself has brought peace to us. Colossians 1.20, and through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Romans 5.1, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Listen to Zechariah's prophecy about Jesus in Luke one seventy nine. He will give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. What does this gospel of peace do for people? Romans one sixteen. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. What or who does God say is under our feet that is shod with the gospel of peace? Romans sixteen twenty, And the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet shortly. In these next verses, I'm going to be adding to the words God, Jesus, and man, so we don't get confused who it is referring to. Psalms 8, 6, God has made man to have dominion over the works of God's hands. God has put all things under man's feet. Psalms 47.3, God will subdue the peoples under us and the nations under our feet. Ephesians 1.22, 
And God put all things under Jesus' feet and gave Jesus to be head over all things to the church. Let's think about this. If all things are under Jesus' feet and Jesus is the head of the church and we are his church, his body, where is everything in relation to us? Under us, under our feet. What Jesus did on the cross and the resurrection is what provided for our victory over our enemy. We stand and stomp on top of our enemy if we have the gospel of peace on our feet. Now, some people might be saying, this has not been my experience. I feel stepped on and trampled upon by the enemy. The question is, are your feet grounded in the right place, which happens to be a person? And are you wearing the right armor? Are you prepared and standing in your armor? Or are you sitting and lying down? Because what do our feet do for us? They allow us the stability to stand and walk. Our feet take us places, whether that is good or bad. They are the vehicle we get to our destinations with. Psalms 119.59 I thought about my ways and turned my feet to your testimonies. Psalms 119.101 I have restrained my feet from every evil way that I may keep your word. Psalms 119.105 Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Hebrews 12.13 Make straight paths for your feet. Proverbs 4.26 Ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. Then Paul quotes us as having the same mission that Jesus had in Romans 10, 15. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. Jesus is the gospel of peace we get to bring to other people, but our feet must be properly prepared to do that. It doesn't matter what the enemy is throwing at us. He's under our feet. We remain in a place of shalom that is full of health and favor and prosperity as we stand established on a firm foundation in the gospel of Jesus Christ. He is our victory. We remain standing on his word. As I wrap up part one, so far, all of these pieces of our armor are Jesus Christ and his word, which is one and the same. It reminds me of this verse in Romans thirteen fourteen: Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Paul is giving us the instructions of our armor and how to put Jesus on. Stay tuned next time to hear about how to clothe ourselves with the remaining pieces of armor and specifically how to stop the arrows of the enemy fired against us. May you know and experience all that God is to you, in you, through you, and all around you. Goodbye for now.